exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. And welcome back, everybody. Another week, another show. This is 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. I am your host, as usual, every Monday, Alex Sharg, and to my left usually is a guy named David DeFever. Today, he is again working for Spartan Vision. He will be back at the second half of today's show. So much to talk, to talk about in today's show. It was a rough week for local sports here in Michigan. Uh, so many topics to divulge in. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where we start today, but... To start off the show, L'Shana Tova, a happy new year for today's Jewish listeners. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. Uh, we have listeners all over the, the world and the country, as far as San Jose State University, as far as Miami, Florida, and even in Israel. We have a bunch of different listeners here at the Sports Wrap. We'd like to thank you all for your continued support of the Impact at 89FM. But... If it is your first time tuning in to today's show, this is how the show works. At every show, we have a question of the week. And how this works is that each show, we give away a, a special giveaway or prize each week. And this week, it is Pita Bucks, uh, of courtesy of, of Pita Pit here in East Lansing. Uh, we'd like to thank Pita Pit for their continued support here uh, of, of the Impact Radio Station. Uh, but if you want to win those Pita Bucks, this is what you have to do. Each week, I ask a question. It is our question of the week. And if you know the answer to the question I ask over the air, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap what you think the correct answer is. And if you get it first, if you are the first one to answer the, answer the question correctly, then you will win Pita Bucks. If you want to know the question, it is on the Twitter page at 89FM Sports Rap, and I will also say it over the air. The question this week is, last Monday, there was a birthday of one Detroit athlete. What I want to know is, who was it? Which Detroit athlete had his birthday last Monday, and how old did he turn? If you know the answer to this question, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap, or feel free to call in, as usual, at any point during the show, 517 432 3893 again 517 432 3893 is the number also how the show works we have a special guest each week and i am extremely ecstatic and excited to announce this week's special guest who is diamond lung he is the writer of mlive.com former dodger beat writer la dodger beat writer and espn.com blogger he will be joining us later in the show around 715 very excited to have Diamond on the show. Uh, I actually met Diamond for the very first time last week at Mark D'Antonio's press conference, uh, and he is definitely excited to be on the show with us today. Also, he just released an article talking about MSU basketball freshman uh, Kaminsky, who just had a very big injury. For those of you who are not aware, um, Kenny Kaminsky is expected to redshirt now, missing four to six months after his second shoulder surgery. So, it's going to get probably a medical redshirt. Uh, Diamond Lung will be on here in about 10 minutes or so to explain how this whole process works in this show. But aside from the question of the week, which Detroit athlete is it? How old did he turn on last Monday? We have our traditional goon of the week, which will take place at the end of each show, usually within the last five minutes. And we've had all kinds of goons here on the sports trap. We've had Chad Ochocinco. Well, now it's Chad Johnson. Keep making that mistake every week. We've had Chad Chad Johnson. We've had goons like Melky Cabrera lying to the media, you know, taking, performing, enhancing drugs. We've had all kinds of, of goons on the show. So this week is probably 
I have to say, this is probably one of the biggest goons so far, so you definitely want to stay tuned for the end of the show to see what goon it will be. Also, I'm going to keep going here. Today at 7.40, we have Elmo's World, our man Elmo from Detroit, calling in. He's going to talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions last game. It was quite a game. The Lions falling to the 49ers. We will get to that later in the show. But as I stated earlier to start the show, it was a rough week of losses over the weekend locally in the state of Michigan. The Detroit Tigers today falling one to the Chicago White Sox. They lose another one. Now they are three games back out of first place. We will get to that later in the show. Michigan State against Notre Dame falling, getting blown out of the water at Spartan Stadium this past weekend. We will talk about that later. Lions against the 49ers, another loss yesterday. And even, which I'm going to get to right about now, is Chad Johnson. Once again, we every week at the Sports Wrap, we have our Chad Ocho zero because literally right now, Chad Ocho, John, well, Chad Johnson is really a zero. So we're going to talk about what is new with him in the media each week. And this really does not die. It never stops. Chad Johnson consistently always in the media, always something new going on. And to start, just if you're just tuning in, let me give you a little bit of a flashback. Chad Johnson gets signed with the Miami Dolphins. Things are looking up for this guy. He's had his troubles. He's always been, you know, quite the character on on, on different football organizations. He's always been the first guy to, to comment on an issue. He's he's very loud. He, he's very very active on on Twitter and very loud as well. But Chad Johnson this week, uh, uh, he pleads not guilty to the domestic battery charge against his former wife Evelyn Ladoza, uh, and in prior weeks, uh. Evelyn and him, there were there were some quarrels. He uh, allegedly headbutted her, and it was filed as a domestic abuse. And last week, Chad Johnson was trying to work things out with Evelyn. He was he was going to her. He he didn't want to sign the divorce papers yet, and was trying to work things out. But no, this week it is final. This is what is new with Chad Johnson. He decides to move on from his marriage. He signs the divorce papers, and I guess really overall his attempts really did not work. He also, along with signing the divorce papers to officially signify the divorce, he pleads not guilty to his domestic battery charge against Evelyn. It's quite the issue. When David gets back here, I'll probably ask him a little bit about that later. But personally, it's amazing. This guy, week in and week out, just cannot get away from the media. And It's so much to cover. And, and, and it's amazing because as much as this guy has such an impact on the media, the media loves it. Even me, myself, I love talking about a guy such as Chad Johnson, who week in and week out is on TMZ, who is on all entertainment channels, and who really, you know, he just can't get enough. And if you are just tuning in, and if you have not heard about the Chad Chad Johnson story in past weeks, he had to take money out, he had a foreclosure on his condo in Florida, he's had all sorts of problems. So this, again, adding all on top of it, again, the case moving on now. And he is still Chad Ocho Zero. Lineup for the show today at 7:10. That's two minutes from now. MSU football game recap. We saw what happened against Notre Dame. Yeah, from two and to two and one, it's quite a lot to cover. Uh, this looked like a totally different team out there, and I can say you can agree with me, disagree with me, but this definitely looked like a totally different team. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, you know, not really himself as we saw in that first game against Boise State. We'll get to that 7:10, 7:15. Diamond Lung comes on. We're talking MSU basketball and MSU football. 7.30, Detroit Tiger talk. They had their game today. Now they're three games back. There's a lot of pressure. They're really coming down to the wire. We'll get to that and more talk about that at 7.30. 7.45, 
Detroit Lions. They had their first loss this past weekend against the 49ers. Uh, and their running back situation is a little little suspicious right now. We'll get to that later in the show. And of course, like I said earlier, capping it off at 7.55, we have our Goon of the Week. And it's probably the biggest goon I've seen so far as my tenure here at the Sports Wrap. I cannot wait to get to that goon later. So, to start the show off, Michigan State football. This team comes in 2-0. They beat Boise State in that first night game. They beat Central Michigan, which... For Central Michigan, that was their biggest weekend of the year. That was that was equivalent to the Michigan State versus Michigan game, but equivalent. But that was at Central Michigan, and as hyped up as that Central Michigan crowd that crowd was, Michigan State they sure did blow them out of the water. But capping off this game against Notre Dame, a lot of analysts, a lot of critics, a lot of journalists thought that Michigan State would pull out the win. A lot of people thought that, yeah, Michigan State they learned their lesson years ago. People thought that, hey. Maybe, you know, they've, they've seen Notre Dame. You know, this is their third time playing them again. You know, this is their, they, they've played them before at home, and hopefully this year they'll edge them out, but no. The game recap, Michigan State ends up getting blown out, could not get anything going. They lose 20-3. to They get 237 yards total offense and zero touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell uh, with his 200-yard game that first week. Second week, you know, he did play Central Michigan. He did get some time to rest, so he was not racking as many carries as he would have liked. But this week, 64 yards on the ground and 15 carries. Monty Teo, one of the best linebackers in the country from Notre Dame, leading the Irish with 12 tackles, stuffing up the middle each and every play. This offensive line at Michigan State just could not get any push at all. Darquez Denard and Johnny Adams getting beat numerous times down the field. Missed field goals, a missed field goal by Dan Conroy. Uh, cornerbacks who are our, our corners this year supposed to be top in the country, but this year getting beat down the field each and every play. Uh, it was hard for myself to see because as good as Darquez Denard has been in many weeks, this week he just could not handle the Notre Dame receivers and what they brought. Even the linebackers, Chris Norman and Max Bullock. Chris Norman missing an easy interception early, uh, that was actually in the third quarter of the game. And even on Notre Dame, the receivers, Robbie Toma and TJ Jones, racking up big yardage. They got four or five catches each, 60 yards about each uh, for each receiver. But besides for all the all the facts and all the mistakes that the Michigan State has made, there just are too many mistakes overall at, you know, for this team. And besides the fact that the corners did not play well, the defense did not play well, I want to take a minute and talk about Andrew Maxwell because this is a guy, you know, last week, Many people were pretty satisfied with this guy. This guy was on the level that Kirk Cousins was, you know, when he started his junior year. That is what the coaches said. That was what the players said. That is what that is what the fans felt. And from last week, this looked like a totally different quarterback. Maxwell overthrowing many receivers. His final statistics on the game, 23 of 45, only 187 yards total. Sacked four times. The offensive line really could not get behind Maxwell. Uh, but Maxwell overall still telegraphing a lot of passes. We did see the first week, the first and second week actually at Central too. Maxwell telegraphing a lot of his passes. Uh, it, it's been a problem every week, but many many critics, many journalists have agreed that as time goes on, this relationship between Maxwell and his receivers would get better. And we saw this week, we saw what happened, and it really did not comply. It really did not show out to prove that Maxwell was getting better. And this looked like a total, total downcline on his on, on his growth as a quarterback. So, 
I ask the question, and feel free to call in at any point during the show, 517-432-3893. The question I ask you, the listener, is Maxwell someone to worry about, or is Notre Dame just that good? We saw Andrew Maxwell. We saw him attempt so many passes against Notre Dame. Really could not get on rhythm. Some of them, the receivers dropping. Some of them, a little bit behind the receivers. I saw so many times Maxwell trying to dump the ball over the middle to Deion Sims. And Notre Dame overall just just really started to get a hold on that play. And besides the fact that, yeah, he did take some downfield shots. He has, you know, he does have a great arm. He is accurate, as his teammates described in, in many weeks previously. But what I don't understand is, for a guy that has been playing so well, and a guy who has been leading a team and has worked so hard to get to the point where he is, what I do not understand is how good was this Notre Dame team? Was Monty Teo and those cornerbacks really the guys that led this Notre Dame team? Devontae Neal on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, uh, he was a slot receiver. Uh, he did uh, decent on the punt game as well. Uh, they, they had to face a variety of different players, but Brian Kelly even said it himself. He was prepared... Uh, he's proud of his guys. They really showed up Michigan, Michigan State. And, and Mark D'Antonio, after the game, really just submitted. He got outplayed. You know, many guys on their, mis- uh, on their team made numerous mistakes. They just weren't ready to play. So, if Maxwell is someone to worry about, 517-432-3893 is the number. Or feel free to tweet. At 89FM SportsRap. Again, at 89FM SportsRap. If you know our question of the week answer or if you want to comment on Andrew Maxwell, feel free at any point during the show. I also want to read some tweets. And besides the fact that this, this team, they were undefeated, there was a lot of hope going into this season, there were a lot of tweets after the game from many players. And I want to read a couple of those right now. Starting with Le'Veon Bell. This was his tweet immediately after the game. Quote, I won't let this team lose another game. All the haters and doubters, enjoy it for the week, but the Spartans are not going anywhere. I promise you, hashtag. So, Le'Veon Bell, obviously not taking much about the loss. There's a lot of hope still with this team. And aside from Le'Veon Bell, you know, a lot of guys are are still hoping a lot of promise. This is no, this is no cupcake. This is, this does not mean, you know, that this team is farther than out. So, let's go to the phones. You are on the Spartan Sports Rap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Hello. All right. Looks like the caller just cannot get on. The, oh, we got him this time. You are on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Hello. Hi, this is Diamond Leong. Diamond Leong. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. For those of you who are just tuning in, Diamond is a, is a writer for MLive.com, also former ESPN.com uh, uh, writer and former Dodger beat writer. Diamond, it's great to finally have you on the show. It was great meeting you uh, last week at the press conference as well. So you saw the game, Diamond. You saw what happened to this MSU football team. We, we've seen it week in and week out. We've seen a totally different team you know, this past week than what we've seen in the first two weeks. So starting with football right away, i got to ask you. We, see, we saw Fofanuti out. How big of an impact was this and that you saw? And with Skylar Berkeley getting in the game, we've seen him commit a variety of different penalties to start. A big, a big costly penalty even later in the game. Uh, how big of an impact uh, is this offensive line and, and not having Fo in there? I think it's a pretty big impact. Um, I mean, uh, it certainly uh, created kind of a um, you know a bunch of uh, you know errors. Uh, I guess you know along the line, it's it's created things down the line as well. With you know Andrew Maxwell, I think you know struggling to uh, you know maybe um, have that comfort level you know with his receivers. Sure. So 
you know, I think with uh, with Bo going down and and with maybe some um, some new guys being rotated in, new starting lineup, all that kind of combines to create what we saw with the offense. So I think um, you know something they're gonna have to fix, something they're gonna have to patch up, and you know we'll see what uh, Dan Roshar can do, uh, you know, next week. Definitely, definitely hoping for Dan Roshar. Uh, also, Diamond. Is Notre Dame just really that good? Are they that good of a team, or was it really just poor play by MSU? I think they were pretty impressive, actually. Um, you know, you look at their quarterback, uh, Golson, and you right. know, here's a guy, you know, similar to, you know, Andrew Maxwell uh, making his uh, third career start. And, right. Uh, he right. didn't really play like a redshirt freshman there. Uh, <laughs> he kind of had a nice pass to open up there with the, with the touchdown. Uh, was able to make some plays and, and buy some time, uh, you know, against a defense that, uh, many would regard as one of the top defenses in the nation. So sure. I think you know, if you look at them, if you look the way they use their running backs, if you notice that uh, they didn't even, I don't think uh, Tyler Eifert, their uh, All-America tight end, uh, even caught one pass. So yeah. they were able to use a bunch of different weapons, and they looked pretty good on defense, obviously, with the Manti Teo as well. Yeah, and we saw Manti Teo break into Le'Veon Bell. A lot of people that first week, Diamond, I'm sure you've heard it yourself, Le'Veon Bell for Heisman. That was the talk, even for Maxwell. Uh what is what is Le'Veon Bell like this week? Uh, I read his tweet actually earlier on the year. He promises that there will never be another loss. He's going to fight every game. Uh, your prediction for Le'Veon Bell, is he going to rack up some more yards and carries, or is this just the start to a tough year for him? Yeah, I read that as well. Uh, you know, him uh, seemingly kind of uh, taking a bit of a ownership of this program, right. kind of a, a leadership role, uh, you know, right with that. But obviously, it doesn't matter what you type in your Twitter. matter. <laughs> Uh, what happens on the field. So I think, you know, you, you should kind of expect uh, maybe the offense to kind of go back to their bread and butter, bread and butter which is giving the ball to Le'Veon. Um, and, le- and like you said earlier, the offensive line needs to get better in order for that to work. So I think it's, everything's a, a lot of things are one and the same here, and a lot of the, they have a lot of juggling pieces right now. And, you know, as they put it back together, I think you'll see uh, Le'Veon, uh, you know, get that much uh, more action. Yeah, I sure hope so. And also, to cap off MSU Football Diamond, any other potential losses for the rest of the year? Uh, are there any games on that schedule besides for that Notre Dame game this past weekend that you look and you're like, wow, that's going to be a tough match? Well, I think everything's in question now. I mean, you look, <laughs> look at the way uh, you know they need to improve, but I mean, you, you go down the list and, and you know while some of these teams might have some early losses, um, you know, hey, Michigan State has hasn't won as well. So, you know, <laughs> suddenly out of Wisconsin doesn't look like such a gimme anymore. Sure, yeah, it's absolutely. Kind of assumed maybe just after, you know, a, a loss from Wisconsin. Uh, you know, Ohio State, let's start there. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that is uh, not going to be an easy matchup. Uh, you know, once and hey, let's throw out Michigan as well. It's not too early to talk about that. So, um, you know, I think obviously when you come off a loss and the team played so poorly in so many different areas. I mm-hmm. think everything is open to discussion now. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, capping off again, uh, prediction for each division, Legends Conference, you know, it's up in the air. You know, in each conference, there's Wisconsin-Purdue, then now Michigan State and Michigan both have one loss. So, for me so far, Diamond, it looks like no conference is readable right now. So, I mean, if you had to make a pick, who do you really like in this Big Ten Conference for each conference this year? Yeah, I got to say, I still like Michigan State. You know, I think they... Um... They they still come out on top there, um, you know, in the legends. I, you know, I think they they still have the, you know the deepest team. I you know I I do think they're going to beat Michigan, and that'll probably um, you know settle a lot of things. And and uh, you know, and the leaders obviously, uh, you know, Ohio State is um, ineligible to to kind of uh, 
move on with right. the sanctions and Penn State as well. So, I mean, I think Wisconsin still has that clear path there. You know, it, yeah. it, it would seem pretty, pretty uh, easy path as well. So I think those, I'm sticking with those. Two. All right, very bold prediction. For those of you just tuning in, MLive writer Diamond Leong with us on the air today, also former ESPN.com blogger and Dodger beat writer. Uh, Diamond, I want to get to your articles you've been writing about MSU basketball. You recently wrote the one about Kaminsky. He's out four to six months with his red shirt. Um, I want to ask you about that because how does it really work? Because when it comes to red shirting, there comes when, when you have an injury, you either have a medical red shirt or you, you basically get red shirted for that year. So how did it really work for Kaminsky and how did it really develop? Right. Um, well, I think, you know, right now, you know, uh, you still ultimately have to file paperwork to do all this stuff. So sure. the way it's going to work is I think they were expecting him to possibly register the season regardless. So now that obviously, uh, you know, takes, you know, that question, you know, out of their hand. He's going to be registering. Now, in order to, um, to, re- to register medically, you know, I think you have to file some paperwork as well. And clearly you need to qualify for such a thing. In that instance, I believe he could possibly say this is a medical redshirt year and conceivably redshirt another year. I don't think he, um, many kids would look at that option, but I think he would have a sixth year if that were what he would choose to do. Yeah, wouldn't that be interesting? Six years MSU, wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, you, you look at, um, you know, Tyler Hoover on the defensive line, he's facing a similar situation. I, I just don't think any kid ever really plans to redshirt, so mm-hmm. this kind of this makes that decision easy for this year. And, you know, if you ever wanted that year back for whatever reason, right. um, you know, maybe, I don't know, if he goes down again, and, you, and, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll need something like that. So, oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, there's, a, there's all sorts of, you know, over, over the course of four years, a lot of things can happen, so you just never know. And I think, you, uh, you know, you make all those decisions as they come. Sure. And over those four years, Diamond, I want to ask your opinion on this. With Draymond Green, you know, out of the picture now, now there's Adrian Payne, Matt Costello, you know, and Kaminsky injured. So who's going to be the guy to step up when it comes to that four position? Right, right. I, you know, I think, you know, you, you might end up seeing a lot of, uh, you know, Adrian Payne and, and Derek Nixon there. Um, and also you can have, you know, with a lot of depth at guards, you can have a smaller lineup, I think, you know, and, and use, uh, you know, Brandon Dawson, um, assuming he's healthy, kind of in that role where you have, you know, you go to a small lineup, and you know, don't, don't forget Alex Ghana as well. Right, he's a guy who um, you know could be uh, very much improved uh, this season and get a chance to play. Right, absolutely. And I want to talk right now because aside from the injury to Kaminsky, there's a lot of news coming out in the recruiting world. Jabari Parker getting an Izzo visit. So I want to ask you, Diamond, what are what are the chances MSU lands this guy? You've been following him, I'm sure, a little bit. Uh, what have you been reading, you know, and really hearing from the media in terms of what this guy's leaning toward? Right. I mean, it, it seems to be a decent chance. I think, uh, you know, here's a here's a kid who's obviously kind of have has that maybe the, the old Jesus shuttleworth thing going, where you know <laughs> right. everyone's kind of you know all over him, and you know I think because of that, you know, uh, he and you know his family would kind of keep prefer to keep things close to the vest. So I, I don't think really think there are that many people that know exactly, you know, where he's going and where he's leaning, you know, kind of in this, in this decision other than those maybe closest to him and the coaches involved. And obviously uh, they're not going to uh, jinx anything by assuming things. So, uh, you know, I think you're going to see, you know, this come all the way down the wire and, mm-hmm. you know, 
that, you know, maybe the kid likely doesn't know himself. So, you know, as he kind of uh, struggled to make the decision, I think at last count his list was at 10 schools, which is kind of a massive amount when you yeah. think about it. Um, he probably has a better idea, I assume, of who the real contenders are, and it would seem that Michigan State would be one of them. Sure. Also, I want to talk about the MSU schedule. Recently just released, they've got the game November 9th in Germany against UConn. Uh, they've got a variety of other matchups as well. I'm sure you've looked a little bit about that schedule and, and what they really have to face. They've got Kansas. They've got a trip to Miami, Florida. And each each they, they play one game apiece against Penn State, Northwestern, Iowa, and Illinois. So uh, I want to hear what, what, what games are going to be really the toughest this year. What do you think of that schedule overall? Yeah, I think it's a, it's um, you know it's going to be difficult right at the start. And right at the start, you know, you don't know how Brandon Dawson's going to um, – you know, going to react coming off injury. You're, you're still working on leadership issues and the team coming together. And you start right off with a UConn team that, granted, isn't eligible for the postseason tournament uh, because of APR issues, um, has a coaching change, so they got a lot of things going as well. But it's still UConn. Uh, you're still flying to Germany, still going on that long trip and, and doing a lot of things while you're in Germany, too, in, in quite a short period. And then you're coming back, yeah. turning around, four days later and playing in Atlanta against Kansas. Sure. Hey, Diamond, I'm sure you're going to be very busy when it comes to that schedule, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fun <laughs> as well, though, you know, doing all that flying back and forth and, you know, going, going to Europe and then going to Atlanta, I guess. But, um, I mean, you know, I think right there. It starts right there at the top. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to? Which place? What trip? Probably that opener. Um, you know, that would be a good chance to kind of see another part of the world and um, see how this team reacts, maybe. Mm-hmm in a different environment and you know this team hasn't gone to um to uh summer foreign tours in the past and this is maybe their chance with uh a lot of new freshman faces to yeah. uh, to bond during that time uh, however short it may be but they're you know we're going to find a lot out a lot about uh this team in those first two games i think yeah absolutely those first two games you know a lot of brand new faces this year so i want to know what is what is the what is the vibe from the team so far? Uh, how do you think with a bunch of new faces this team's going to work out to fare throughout the year? Right. Well, I caught a little bit of the uh, some of the players playing in the Moneyball uh, summer league this off season, and it seems like you know from the the vibe you get out there, you know everyone's feeling confident. Obviously, no games have been lost, no one's missed a shot yet officially, so. It's kind of hard to tell from that standpoint, but you look at the way this team is constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of returning players, yet you have these enormous uh, shoes to fill with Draymond Green leaving. So I think, yeah. um, you know, as you know, as you kind of kind of go down the roster, you know, you you look at maybe Derek Nix taking on a bigger role. He's obviously had an off-season issue and and probably you know has a lot to prove. Uh, you look at Dawson coming off the injury. You look at Keith Appling. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? Uh, you know, you, you mix, throw in a bunch of talented freshmen, and you see what you come out with, I guess. And those are issues that, you know, Tom Izzo is obviously going to have to, to uh, figure out in these next couple months, you know, as they get into that early part of the schedule. Absolutely. For those just tuning in, Diamond Long, MLive writer and former ESPN.com blogger, Dodger beat writer. Diamond, hey, I really appreciate you taking your time coming on the show today. I really appreciate that, that Diamond. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. We'll be in touch soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. And that was Diamond Long here at Impact 89 FM. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap. Uh, it's another week, another show. David will be back within the last half hour in, in the show. Uh You've heard it from Diamond Leung himself, MSU football and MSU basketball. There's a lot going on, a, a lot of different kinds of, of nuts and, and bolts 
constructed with each team. And I want to take another minute before we jump to a quick break at the sports wrap. Uh, Diamond also commented about this MSU football team that Notre Dame, he was very impressed with that team. When it came to, you know, that defense shutting down Andrew Maxwell, uh, they they really did a solid job. Uh, Monty Teo led the team with 12 tackles. In addition to Teo, uh, I mean, that defense really just did not allow any yards on the run. And when it comes to Le'Veon Bell and Monty Teo, that collision's just going to be huge. And it looked like Monty Teo really just got the best of that for that game. Prince Shembo also... Uh, another another big uh, defensive player racking up nine tackles, uh, also getting followed by Lewis Nix the third and Dan Fox with five each. Also, we'll get to this later in the show at 7.32. Detroit Tiger talk. They play that game today against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, later in the show as well, 7.45, we're talking Detroit Lions. That last game was quite an interesting one. So we'll get to that later. And to cap off the show, 7.55, our traditional goons of the week. And this week, this is one of the bigger goons I've seen. And it's very exciting for me to say that, aside for Chad Johnson, this goon is pretty bad. And especially with what we've seen in the news lately, you'll understand when you see it. But I've got a comment before we jump to a quick break. We have our traditional question of the week. How it works, if you know the answer to the question I ask over the air, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or feel free to call in. The number as usual. 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. And the question this week, last Monday, seven days ago, there was the birthday of one Detroit athlete. Who was it? Which Detroit athlete had his birthday last Monday? How old did he turn? If you know the answer, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. We're going to be jumping to a quick break here at the Spartan Sports Wrap. You're listening to Impact 89FM. And welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm Alex Shog, your host as usual, every Monday from 7 to 8. And to my left, David DeFever, finally setting foot in the studio. Great to have you back. How's Spartan Vision? You're very busy with that, I know. Uh, also busy. You saw the game this past weekend. So. Yeah. Uh, Spartan Vision's doing great. Love it. Love the reaction of the crowd. Love the hype of the crowd, how everyone gets into the game. Uh, tough loss for the Spartans this past weekend, but uh, it's time for them to move on and focus on their next opponent. Right. So as I was asking Diamond earlier, uh, you saw the game as well. Was Notre Dame really just that good, or was Maxwell just, and, and the rest of that team, just not playing well, making too many mistakes? I think ND held up pretty well better than I thought they would personally but MSU kind of came out flat they didn't really look that good to me the offense the run game really wasn't getting going there was a handful of easy passes that could have been completed and I, at the beginning of the game I felt as poorly reft here and there I mean the hype of the crowd how loud it was but I think Michigan State didn't play as good as they should have, but but they made Notre Dame look good. Oh, absolutely. From the top down, we saw Darquez Denard, we saw Johnny Adams. They got beat downfield almost every single oh, play. The, ND almost scored on the first play of the game. The, the bomb, he had a, the wide receiver had a, a two or three foot stride on him. If the quarterback nails that, that's crowd is quiet. One two minutes into the game. Oh, and it was quiet most of the game. Yes, it was. It was, it was a very slow game. Even though ND did put up the points and got 20, it was kind of like dragged out, it seemed like, and the offense of MSU just didn't get clicking. So, I mean, it, it just felt a little different in the atmosphere. Absolutely. Hey, David, you know the movie 50 First Dates? Yes. So 
I, I compare this week when it comes to local sports to 50 sad dates, okay? Let me just go on and talk to you about what has happened in local sports this week, okay, David? Starting off, the Tigers today, losing in, against the White Sox. Give up the lead. Giving up a lead the game before, so I guess that's two. Blown save by Valverde. For sure, sure. MSU's Chris Norman missing an easy interception against Notre Dame. Possibly turning around the whole game. Uh, Yeah. MSU losing against Notre Dame. Lions losing against the San Francisco 49ers. The the NHL getting locked out. out. And, And it's ridiculous. This whole sad story, sob story, you know, it's ridiculous at this important time. It's happening right about now where bowl season's getting underway for football. You know, it's getting to the point. It's September baseball. It's a very critical time of the year, David. Yes. And, and I got to ask you, I mean, do you stand with the predictions you had earlier in the year with this football team when it comes to this Tiger team? We're going to get back to this Tiger team in just a minute. But yeah. I want to hear your predictions real quick before we go on. For Lions or? Oh, Give me all of them. Okay. Spartans, I think they can turn it around. This offense really needs to get clicking. This this Notre Dame team was their first challenge, and sadly they disappointed a lot of fans. I mean, Andrew Maxwell under center, I mean, yes, he's take, he's had fewer snaps. He hasn't had that experience, but this is the time where he needs to, you know, step up, be the captain of this team, and try to lead this team to victory. I mean, the defense played all right, but we can't rely on defense all day. On every single game, we need offensive points. On well, obviously we need offensive points, but we need the offense to turn this around and get points for us. As for the Lions, first week they squeezed out of a win. Second week, kind of showed their flaws a little bit more with the San Francisco team. They pretty much rolled over, rolled over us. I would say. Yeah. Um, we had a chance to get back into the game, and we just couldn't capitalize on the offensive end. Stafford struggling. Looked sloppy again. Um, field goals is not going to win you games in the NFL, especially when you're playing, uh, you know, a team that made it pretty deep in the playoffs last year in the 49ers. There you have it. All right, David. So, getting now to our Detroit Tigers. Jeez. Today, very tough game against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, you know, they so many different you know mishaps, so many different plays. There really was no reason for me, David, that Doug Fister should be hitting batters in September baseball. It sh- that shouldn't even... I, I, re- I recognize that. In Porcello, too. High fastballs early in the game. Like That should be controlled in, in the repertoire of easy strikes, first-pitch strikes, all day. And it's... It's frustrating that all this kind of all this stuff is still going on this right. late in the season. Sure, and this is the time where you know you get your butterflies out, you get your jitters out earlier in the season. Yeah, the pitching rotation is now set. They made the move. They didn't take Smiley. You know, they they stuck with Fister. Smiley's now coming out of the bullpen, and aside from from hitting batters, Doug Fister, you know, walking multiple batters yeah, in a row. row letting in multiple runs off walks. This just sounds like a triple-A slash, you know, early April pitcher. And it's amazing because aside from Doug Fister, I'm going to try not to blow up here on the air. (laughs) Aside from Doug Fister, the guy who gets the money himself, Prince Fielder, missing the easiest scoop I think I've seen when it comes to a, you know, when it comes to a dirt ball. I mean, the ball was right under his knees. He just did not, you know, get down low enough to make the scoop. I mean, you did you see that play? Really? I did not see the play, but I did see him make the layout dive when Verlander was on the mound. You, you get a play out of him like that, and he misses an easy one right at the knees. Sure, and this is the guy, you know, Dave Dombrowski. This is the year they're investing. You know, they made the trades at the deadline to acquire Sanchez. They acquired Infante. 
They put the cap in for for Fielder. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on him. Yeah, sure. And now you know you see Fielder just not coming up with an easy play. And this is September baseball. This isn't a cupcake game. Anymore. No, no. This is where games are very crucial. Where every game matters, no matter who you're playing. Which every game of the season is. But now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. The last two, two and a half weeks of baseball before the playoffs start, if they even do start for our Detroit Tigers. Sure. And before, Elmo Elmo is about to call in from Detroit in about two minutes, so he's going to talk a little bit Detroit Lions, but I'm sure he'll comment about the, the question I'm about to ask here. Jim Leland, okay, with a team that's three games back, with a guy who makes an error today, Jim Leland came out to the media recently and talked about his team, and this is what he said. Jim Leland, would be shocked if Miguel Cabrera is not named the AL MVP. This is coming from Chris Yacht from MLive. Jim Leland coming out to the media saying, I don't have to lobby. It's right there in front of everybody. In this case, I'm really not being partial. Sometimes we are, and I think you should be. If it's your player, you're going to stick up for him over somebody else's player. But this time, I'm not even being partial to Cabrera. That's just my opinion. End quote. That's, that's just his opinion. But I've got to ask, David... For an opinion like this, he says he's not biased. He said, you know, this isn't just some ordinary year where I'm backing up Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. This is a this is an opinion saying that a second place, three game back team that has not been playing well or consistently has the leading MVP candidate. Now, I asked the listeners, feel free to call in, 517-432-3893 or tweets at 89FM Sports Rep. I asked the listeners and you, David. Is this slightly biased, and is it a fair statement? Is it fair to call a guy who isn't, you know, whose team is not in first place, who's struggling consistently throughout the year, is it fair to make an opinion that this guy should be the reigning AL MVP? I don't even think this should be in the talk of the Detroit Tigers organization at all. They should be focused on these games and making the playoffs because, I mean, Miguel Cabrera, he has all the skill to Make it two years in a row AL MVP. I mean, he's having a good year. He's getting the home runs. He's making plays, driving in runs. I sure, mean, the guy has 30, 30, almost 40 doubles for how big he is. And that's good, and that's contributing to the Tigers. But a team that is still itching to even make a playoff spot is what worries me the most. I mean, baseball is a team game, and the MVP is a single-handedly award. But, I mean, when your team's not doing good, it kind of downgrades how you are as a player. Absolutely. And when it comes to a vote, when it comes to an MVP vote, these are the things you look at. One, you look at how good this player is. Two, you look at how important he is to the individual team. And the third thing that I would say that they look at is is how big of an impact, you know, is is this team when it comes to an overall World Series playoff run. Exactly. So, and if they don't even make that run, how can you even make that assumption? And look, let me take a guy like Mike Trout. He leads the majors in runs scored in stolen bases. He has a 329 average. His team's in first place. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Listen, we're, we're Detroit guys. Miguel Cabrera's hitting 330. He's having a great year. He has 123 RBIs, tied for the league lead. And, you know, he's fifth in the league with home runs of 38. You know, aside from the fact that he's a, one of the best players in the league, arguably, Mike Trout, you know, having a very good year as well. Yeah. So, you know, if you had to pick an AL MVP at this point with 16 games to go, who are you looking at? Here? I mean, it, it's the same thing how you said with Trout. How his team's in first place. He has the chance to make his season 
look a lot better on his resume than Cabrera does if we don't make the playoffs. Because that's what they that it it comes down to those types of situations. Can Cabrera, can Trout still contribute in the postseason? And if the Tigers don't even make it there, how can you even compare the two? Because Trout's team's in first place right now. If he goes into the playoffs, you know, does phenomenal, which he's been doing all year, I mean, yes, they're going to look at that way better, and they're going to lean towards the Trout side rather than Cabrera. But then when both teams make playoffs, that's when you have a toss-up. You have to really look at each game by game. 517-432-3893 Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number as usual. Or tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. And our question of the week this week, there was a Detroit Piston. I'm going to give it away. He had a birthday this past Monday. Who was it? How old did he turn? If you know the answer, feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or call in 517-432-3893 as usual. So, David, yeah, I mean... The MVP is obviously up in the air at this point. It but, is. But uh, I've got to ask with this team, do they still have a chance overall? I mean, this Tiger team. They, they need to win consistently out here. They can't go more than two or three losses. They can't have a handful of losses. Sure. And, 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 and it's going to come down to Chicago as well because they're already three games up. So they have three games of their own to drop. And that's if the Tigers can win consistently, sure. which we haven't seen often. I mean, we had a good four-game streak, and then we blow a save in Valverde, and then we give up the lead against the White Sox today, so that drops us back another two. It's just, it's 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 been the same thing up and down all season, but it's gonna come it's gonna come down to the last weeks, and hopefully they can pull it off. But I mean, with the way things have been going this past weekend, and with all the our all our Detroit teams and. Spartan teams, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hey, 16 games to go. David, I want to take a moment and look at this schedule, okay? With the 16 games to with the 16 games left. I'm going to take, you know, the first moment and talk about the Tigers schedule and then I'm going to review the Sox schedule. With 16 games to go. The Tigers have a series against the Oakland Athletics who are playing very well this year at home. At uh, yeah, at home. They've got another home stand against the Minnesota Twins. And another home stand against the Kansas City Royals. So ten straight games at home. Ten straight games at home, and out of the ten, I'd say two of the three teams they could pretty much win the series. With. Yes, easily. And the Twins and Royals, we should roll over and or sweep them. That should be an easy six games. Right, and then following the Royals game, they've got two, you know, final series away. They've got another one against the Twins and another mm-hmm. one against the, the Royals. Royals. So they're playing both of these teams twice within the next two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Now the Sox schedule. They've got, right now, coming after this game, after their homestand against the Tigers, they've got the Royals and the Angels away. Angels are going to be very tough. Yes, they are. It's going to be interesting. Then they've got the Indians and the Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays at home, also fighting for a playoff spot. Yes. And, and the Indians away to end the year, who have always had trouble with the Tigers, still a third-place team. They're not Minnesota or Kansas City. Yeah. So, David, when I look at these schedules... I would not count the Tigers out quite I wouldn't. yet. We, ha- we have the upper hand when it comes to schedule. Sure. There are, there are a bunch of games coming up in these weeks that these are must-win games, and they are very attainable wins. Yes. And when I look at the Sox schedule, the Rays and the Angels, those are, you know, both of them, well, one of the one of the, one of the series is away. The Angels away series is going to be tough, but yes. both of those series, I mean, they could easily lose two games. Tigers can creep, get within a game back just like that. Yeah. And hopefully that is the case because, I mean, with the Rays fighting for a playoff spot, 
they're going to be even more hungrier than they were earlier in the season. So the competition and the level and the intensity of that of those games is going to be at a much higher level than it was earlier in the season or, say, at the beginning of the season. And with the Tigers, I mean, 10 straight home games, that that's big. I mean, they say home field advantage is always key in hockey and football. And, I mean, at baseball in Detroit, Comerica Park baseball, these fans are going to be wild. I mean, we're back in the playoffs we need the hype up, we need the energy level up, and we need to take us all these games if we can. I mean, I'm not saying it will happen or it won't happen, but, I mean, the athletics is the only competition we have from this from the rest of the season out. I mean, and you look at the other teams, yeah, they're out of the playoff race, but they're the ones that want to keep the Tigers out. you got to remember that. But no, Yeah, sure. No, those teams are also vying, you know. They're, they're, trying, to, they're trying to be a spoiler. Exactly, and that's that's what their job is right now at this time of the season. They're not they're not giving up their season just because they're out of the playoff race. They still want to you know progress and see what their team can do you know throughout the whole rest of the last two and a half weeks. Right, and a lot of these guys, a lot of these younger players, when it comes to guys on Kansas City and Minnesota, these are guys trying to earn their spot in the majors. They're vying for those contract numbers. You know, and, and when it comes to facing the Detroit Tigers, of course, yeah, there could be a spoiler. And I do want to comment real quickly, David. The Tigers series record this year against the Chicago White Sox, the Detroit Tigers are 12-6. and six. So even though the Chicago White Sox won today, many times we've seen this Detroit Tiger team beat the Chicago White Sox and have no problem to go. We're going to jump to the phones. We've got Elmo from Detroit. Elmo, tell me what's hey, going on. Hey, what's going on, big fella? Hey, not much. Hey, listen, Elmo. Uh, this this Detroit Tiger team. We were we were just talking. Uh, you know, the the series record against the White Sox. They're twelve and six. They've beaten the White Sox all the time. And when you compare the remaining schedules, when you look at the Sox schedule, you look at the Tiger schedule. The, the Tigers have the easier route. The Sox have to face the LA Angels away. They've got to face the Tampa Bay Rays, also fighting for a playoff spot at home. And overall, we've got an easier schedule. So, besides the fact that the schedules, Elmo, do they still have a chance? You know what? Um, they're a professional team. They they got a heart. They they have the, they 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 want to win. I think they they're still in the game. Now Leland came out with a statement that he would be shocked if Miguel Cabrera doesn't win MVP. Uh, is this slightly biased? Remember, there are guys like Mike Trout. There are guys, you know, there are so many good hitters in this league. Uh, and he said the numbers show. But when you look at a guy for MVP, Elmo, you look at you know how well he's doing as a player. You look at how well he's doing as a team. And you look at how well the team is doing overall. And with a team three games back, Elmo, it's hard for me to say that this is a fair statement by Jim Leland. So so what are your thoughts on with Jim Leland saying that Miguel Cabrera should keep the MVP you know, championship in Detroit? I have to agree with Leland. Uh, I think I'm a little biased, too. Uh, Cabrera is just an A1 player. I know Trout's good. He's been consistent all year round. But the, the, the season's not over yet, and the Tigers still could make it to the playoffs. Uh, Elmo, I'm cringing my teeth here because, you know, I, I see your point. I see, you know, Jim Leland is the manager. He has that responsibility, you know, to be confident in his guys. But at the same time, uh, I, I've got to ask because is, is Cabrera, did he put enough numbers out for MVP, or is it more uh, the kind of big plays he makes in the games? Well, I think it's numbers because I don't think he makes that kind of big game plays at third base. He's had a lot of problems at third base this year. Mm-hmm. But I, I think his hitting is, is, is keeping the Tigers where they're at in 
and that's where they've been all year, thanks to Cabrera and Prince Fielder. All right, 517-432-3893 is the number. Elmo, before you go, we're going to talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions right now. We saw the last game. We've seen that running back situation be so inconsistent throughout the year. Uh, Lions, uh, Elmo, recent news today, the Lions decided to work out Ryan Grant and Steve Slayton. Ryan Grant, the former Green Bay Packer, Steve Slayton, of course, former West Virginia running back. Uh, what is it? Is this position? Is this running back position, Elmo, of great concern, or are the defensive backs more the concern for this team right now? You know, Alex, I, I've, I've been on your show before, and I keep stating the same thing: our offensive line is the problem, not the running back. You could have Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, without a line, they're not going to be going anywhere. So, all right, I mean, I see, um, I see that you you think the offensive line is the problem. I mean, I, I agree. Guys are terrorless, so many, you know, false starts. I've seen the holdings from Jeff Backus year in and year out. We've seen <laughs> this guy, you know, be one of the most hated Lions in, in a century. And at the same time, Elmo, Stafford had a 5,000-yard year last year. And if it's the offensive line's problem, you know, how is this guy playing so well still? And do you look at that running back position and, and maybe on the defensive side of the ball to why they're not winning games, or you think it's all offensive line? I think I think it mostly has to do with the offensive line. That's just my personal feeling. Without even, you know, Stafford has a quick release. Their well, offense is, is, is designed for the, you know, quick shots, the receivers. So he's, he's been getting the quick protection, but they can't live and die by the pass. They're going to have to open up some holes. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. 517-432-3893 is the number if you are listening, if you want to call in. Elmo says offensive line is the problem. What is the problem on this team? Feel free to call in. Elmo, before you get going here, I've got to ask you, our question of the week is which Detroit Pistons birthday was it last Monday and how old did he turn? Do you have any idea, you know, which player it was and maybe how old he turned? Um, I would guess Ben Gordon. Ben Gordon, oh, so close. That is not correct. Remember, Ben Gordon leaving, you know, this Detroit Piston team. I'll give you a hint, Elmo. You got the Ben part right. All right, so there's what other Ben is there on that Piston team? Oh, it's got to be Ben Wallace. You got me, Alex. That's right. So, for those listening, Ben Wallace's birthday was last week. If you know how old he is, Feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or call in on the show. 517-432-3893. A chance to win Peta Bucks this week. David the Fever going out and, and getting it done. Uh, Elmo, I appreciate you calling in on the show. Very close on that call for winning those Peta Bucks. I gotta give you some credit. That was, that was, that was a decent guess. You got the Ben part right. That's Elmo, right. That's right. Yeah. Elmo, thanks again for calling in. I hope to see you in recent weeks. Yeah, love the show. Thanks. Thanks, Elmo. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, David. So, Elmo said in himself, offensive line is the key issue. Now, is it, what, what's your take on this? I think the offensive line is a struggle, but when it comes to backs, if you're a good enough back, you can make things happen. I know he said the whole thing with Emmett Smith but and Barry Sanders. I mean, those guys made things happen. I mean, the league was completely different when they were playing. But, I mean, this team, when I look at these first two weeks, they to me, they just haven't clicked. They really haven't gotten a groove from last year, you know, uh, moving downfield consistently. I mean, we've seen three and outs. We've seen missed field goals. Um, like they played the 49ers last night. Like, field goals is not going to win games. We can't have Jason Hansen trying to bring home a W for us every week. It doesn't, like, the competition in the NFL is very high. All teams are out there to win, playing hard. 
And no matter who you play, I mean, we struggled with the Rams, and everybody thought that we were just going to roll by those guys. And then San Francisco, we land in California, and we struggled really bad, in my personal opinion. Yes, they're a good team, but, I mean, the Lions are going to play those teams, and if they can't come out and create offense or, you know, make those defensive stops to allow our offense to try to be productive— it's not. It's going to be another down season for the Lions. Oh, absolutely! Very good point there. Uh, I do want to comment. You know, we got like six minutes to go. Uh, I do want to comment real quickly about an article that came out. Uh, offensive tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Staley, came out to the media and basically ratted out the Lions' defensive line, saying that they're extremely overrated. This is coming out. Today at 1.44 p.m., this is from the Detroit Free Press. Now, Joe Staley, after the win against the Detroit Lions, coming out and saying this, okay? This is just shocking to me. Quote, Up front, they like to pride themselves on being cheap after the play. They think they're physical because they do that. End quote. He also goes on to say, Quote, They think highly of themselves. I heard they said they were the best D-line in the league or something. I feel that's disrespectful to other good defensive lines, end quote. So, besides the fact that, yeah, you know, they, they shot, you know, they ran for about 200 yards on this defensive line. They ran for 148. Uh, and he even said also, he said, quote, they weren't beating us one-on-one. We ran for about 200 yards on the so-called bestie line in all of football. I've never been impressed by the Detroit Lions defensive line, end quote. David. Oh, buddy. This is quite a stir. I mean... I'm just waiting to see what happens and what the Detroit Lions are going to come back. How are they going to respond to the next team we show? Yeah, I mean the, the Lions yeah, had a, thoughts. Thoughts in the comments. I mean they had they had a bad day the other day, but I, I, that's one game. And for him to come out and say that is kind of ignorant and arrogant of him. That's my own personal opinion. I mean, guys are going to say that they're going to stir up stuff. We we see how it is in the media with all sports nowadays. But I I wouldn't worry about it. But you can definitely look to see what the Lions' defensive line does next week. Oh, absolutely. And besides the defensive line, I mean, what are your thoughts on the defensive back situation, even the running backs? They need to improve. <laughs> they need to win them one-on-one battles and stick with receivers. I mean, we see the effort, but that effort's not working out, as we can see with the, the loss last night and how Vernon Davis just exposed our defensive cover. I guess you could say. But, um, I mean, there's always time for improvement. We're only in the second week of football. We also have a bye week that every team gets. So, I mean, the Lions are going to improve. And if they don't, we're going to have one of those paper bag seasons, which we all cross our fingers that we don't. My question for you, Alex, is with how you've seen other games play around the league. I mean, we see the Arizona Cardinals beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. We see the Saints 0-2 now. What do you see for the the Lions in their schedule and how teams are playing now and how much the competitive level has raised compared to last year? There's really not walkover teams as you can see with you know the Arizona Cardinals last year they weren't too bad now they're beating what 
people suspect to be a playoff team. What are, what's your take on the Lions and how their schedule set up? Sure, and you have to remember, David. You know, the Lions division is was not one of the strongest in football. I mean, they were. You know, when when it came to you know years ago when Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl, but this year I don't really consider them the strongest anymore. You look at their coming up games; they've got the Titans away, then they got the Vikings, then they got the Eagles. So when it comes to their schedule, and you ask me, you know, how do I think about how the NFL racks up? You know, I'm going to say that, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, comparing teams, you know, when, when you're comparing the Lions and how they've been doing to other teams, uh, I would say that, you know, this is a year where there's a lot of expectations. And, yeah. and you know, they have the pieces in place. They've got the offense now. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries. It, it's been horrible on defense, but, and, and even on and the running back position. But for the most part, you know, this isn't an 0-16, you know, typical expectation Lions team anymore. You know, they're at the point now where they're winning the games. And, you know, I guess we'll see it as weeks go on when we yeah. watch these other games, the kind of caliber teams that they're going to face. Yep. All right, so to close out the show, two minutes left to go. And if you know the question of the week, tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or call in 517-432-3893. But with two minutes left in the show, we've got to talk about our goon of the week. This week is quite the goon. Uh, David. Uh, why don't you go ahead and lead us with this? I'll, goon. I'll go on this because this is this is my goon of the week. That right, I, hey, you got a minute left? Come on. All right, goon of the week, Gary Bettman. Easy guess for all our listeners. The hockey, the NHL has been locked out as of September 17th. And I think he might be the worst goon of all time. It, yes, this is the third lockout in eight years. It's the NHL has missed. Over a thousand and a half games since '92 due to lockouts or pauses in the season. Bettman needs to go. I mean, I'm not happy that this is happening, and we can probably hear that from a bunch of hockey fans and probably every person on the state hockey team this year. But now that the NHL is not in session, brings tears to a lot of people's faces, especially mine. Um, we've seen. Um, NHL teams sending their top prospects and top players down to AHL teams. We see Tatsu, Kovalchuk signing with Russian leagues. We have people, uh, you got Yager signing with the Czech, people going to Europe. They're, they're still trying to stay in shape. I mean, it's still a lockout, and I have a feeling this one, it's not a good feeling. It's I have a feeling that it's going to be a pretty long lockout if we do come to an agreement, but hopefully Gary Bettman can, you know, be a nice guy and sign some papers and stop worrying about money. Absolutely. David, I appreciate that insight. Gary Bettman, one of the biggest goons I think we've had on the sports rap of yeah. all time. Yes. All Definitely. Right. David, up there. All right. So, closing out the show today, a flurry of different losses around the community and even in the state of Michigan. But we'll be back for another week at the Spartan Sports Wrap. You've been listening to 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. I'm Alex Sharg. And I'm David DeFever. And Dylan over there, behind there, he's screening he's screening calls. He's, he's getting us to sound good. But all of us, we'll, we will be back next week.